Hello, everyone, and welcome to Joe's Tango Podcast, and welcome to the exciting, colorful, and sometimes bizarre world of Argentine tango. On this show, we'll be meeting tango instructors, event organizers, and musicians. They are a fascinating bunch of people, and it'll be a great time. I'm your host, Joe Yang, and thank you very much for joining us. My guest today comes to us from Austin, Texas, and started out as a ballroom dancer. He had been involved with ballroom for well over 20 years before discovering Argentine tango, and once he got a taste of tango, he was hooked. His pursuit of tango learning has taken him to several countries, and he eventually started a tango school known as Tango Tribe. And with me now from Austin is David Phillips. David, thanks so much for taking the time to, to talk to me. Really appreciate it. You're very welcome. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, great. Okay, I want to jump right into things. So take us back, David, if you could, to the beginning of your tango journey. Can you describe the moment or moments, could have been more than one, when you knew you wanted tango to be a big part of your life? Well, can I back up a ways where I started dance back in the early 80s? Right. You were a ballroom dancer, right? That's right. Okay. I uh, was in a stressful job. It was in the early days of uh, computer networking. Mm. I had a, a small company doing that. Someone gave my wife an introductory lesson to a Fred Astaire studio. Uh-huh. And after the first few steps, uh, dancing to the music, uh, some, some uh, swing music, I knew that's what I wanted to be doing the rest of my life. Uh-huh. So we did a lot of ballroom dancing and Latin and swing dancing. Mm-hmm. Over the years, I did some of just about everything, even belly dancing. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I dropped out for a long time, mm-hmm. and then when I finally retired full-time in 2010, mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to get back into dancing, so I started taking something every night of the week, West Coast Swing, which I dearly love, Salsa, which I would not done before, mm-hmm. and Argentine Tango, which I would not done before. Mm. Well, after the first year, Tango won out, uh-huh. and I was dancing it every night of the week. Nice. I was so taken by the uh, physical, uh, mental, uh, emotional challenges Mm -hmm. of tango coming from a technical background, very uh, right brain oriented. The uh, artistic elements of the tango appealed to me Mm -hmm. and also the idea that there must be some sort of system to this, some way to understand this and and make Mm -hmm. it more approachable. And it was in the effort to make it more approachable for myself mm-hmm. that I came to desire to get into teaching. Mm. From the very first, I always kept a pocket notebook with me okay, and wrote notes and studied them after class. Mm-hmm. And now I have a several foot high stack of <laughs> notebooks. Nice. And it wasn't so much to record what was going on in the class, but to restate it to myself so mm-hmm. that it made sense to me. Oh, okay. And over the years, I saw some things that I didn't like so mm-hmm. much. I saw some, obviously, some things I liked a great deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, uh, Tomas Howland and uh, many other fine teachers. Right. And came to develop a personal philosophy both for teaching and for learning. Okay. So adjusting from ballroom and and other dance styles that you've learned to Argentine tango what was what was that like 
well, I, I studied for many years with Daniela Arcordi, mm -hmm. who is now out in uh, the Los Angeles area. Okay. She was a master teacher from Buenos Aires. Mm-hmm. And she was constantly remarking on how we had to adjust from the uh, ballroom frame, for example. Uh, yes. That was the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. Of course, we have an offset position in mm -hmm. the ballroom. It's very much a pattern-oriented dancing. Mm -hmm. Although with my wife, I developed a very improvisational style for uh, Foxtrot, which I love dearly. <laughs> nice. So it, it it was quite a bit of adjustment. However, I, I found myself, and one of the things I found discouraging in myself was making excuses, like saying that, oh, well, it's the, the ballroom. It, it's messing me up, or oh. it's, I'm not feeling the energy today, or mm -hmm. I've got this, that, or the other issue. Uh -huh. uh, I wanted to come to a point where I really was bringing everything I could, realizing mm -hmm. that sometimes we have ups and downs in a, a day or, or even over the course of a lesson. Right. So I wanted to stop making ballroom a basis or an excuse mm -hmm. and build my tango from scratch, if you will. Yeah. So what's some really good or some memorable advice that you've gotten from, from some of your teachers? either that have helped you as a tango pupil or as a tango teacher? Wow. <laughs> that is such a, a huge question. Yes. And there, there are so many possibilities. Mm -hmm. And there have been a, a number of plateaus over the year where I felt like I've I reached a certain level of uh, accomplishment, achievement, or comfort, or creativity, mm -hmm. or musicality, or whatever in my dance. Mm -hmm. I can speak. I can speak out of myself mm -hmm. about sure. the the advice that I have for people. Okay. But it's hard for me to. I've amalgamated all the things that I've learned from other uh, teachers. I suppose, in some respects, I'm not really good at remembering specific teachers and specific advice. But trying to derive my own lessons to sort of. I guess one of my philosophies is about teaching yourself that we don't actually learn until we teach it to ourselves. Ah. And in fact, that's one of the things that I work on with students is to give them ideas for how to go about teaching themselves. I see. It is to not take the lessons as a passive activity. Mm -hmm. They just do one or more nights a week and then uh, sort of let it drift away but that they actively think about and, and pursue the lessons and pursue understanding in the lessons to build greater knowledge, not just body uh, mechanics. Mm -hmm. I think you pointing out that this is not a passive activity. That's a really, that's a really great way of, of, uh, of putting it. Yeah, so building upon that and while working with, with your students after you started teaching, uh, what are some things that you've learned from your own students? Patience. Uh, mm -hmm. I think patience has always been a, a key aspect of my approach. Mm -hmm. And since we're we're a small studio, we're just started out at the end of last year. Oh wow! That we've got uh, all different levels uh, to accommodate. Mm -hmm. Some with no experience, uh, some with much experience, mm -hmm. and. I'm learning that uh, enthusiasm counts for a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm learning, I wouldn't say I'm learning. I've, I actually knew that this was an important part, 
but I'm certainly exercising and stretching myself in terms of how to reach every student at their own level and in a way that they can relate to. Mm, okay. I'm, I'm having to use all of the resources I can muster mm -hmm. to make sure that uh, people get something that they can value out of each lesson. Mm -hmm. what, what I had developed as a philosophy of teaching mm -hmm. is that every student would learn both roles from the beginning. Okay. I was told by so many people, oh, that won't work. Uh, you'll get guys that, that won't dance with guys and women Women don't need it. Followers don't need it. Yeah, it might be useful for leaders, but what I've learned is that, yes, if you assume that's the way it is, you get enthusiastic uh, support of it. Mm -hmm. We have one, an 80-year-old woman who has not danced before, mm -hmm. but she was comes from a, a South American culture where okay. music was a big part of her life, mm -hmm. and she leads beautifully. Nice. I find in general that women, of course it's a broad generalization, sure. but they often, rather than use, using lots of uh, wild steps and movements, mm -hmm. will go for the musicality, which ah. is a good lesson yeah. for the, the male leaders. Mm -hmm. So the philosophy is that everybody, you can learn more faster if you feel what your partner wants to be feeling. Mm. Now, to get more specifically to your question, sure. we, our view of tango is that it's basically just two movements. Mm -hmm. One, it's a change of weight between feet. Uh -huh. It could be in place, it could be over distance, you can be walking, you can do a momentary change of weight, such as in a, a rebote or a rebound step, right. or even less, more momentary in a traspier type step, mm -hmm. but it's all forward, backward, or sideways changes of weight. Yep. And then how do you go in other directions? Well, that the other basic movement is pivot. Right. And that's it. Out of changing weight between feet and mm -hmm. pivoting, aim ourselves in a different direction, that's like the DNA of tango. Yeah. It gives us all of the complexity. Right, yeah, exactly. Like like you said, if you break it down, that's just basically what you're doing. Of course, we can really get deep into the body mechanics of that, but essentially that's it. We're forward, side, back, pivots. <laughs> the DNA of tango, that's exactly right. Yeah, it's like how we're in our, uh, the DNA of everything living on this planet is you've got the four bases combined in, in all the different ways, and that makes up all the incredible complexity mm -hmm. and variety of life. And just those two simple aspects of movement can make up all the uh, complexity of tango. Yes. And then um, a big part of my approach to the teaching, which mm -hmm does vary, I think, from a lot of what I have seen over the years, is to emphasize the positive and be looking to catch people doing the right things and giving them uh, ways to access the right way of doing things instead of looking to catch and uh, correct mistakes. Oh, okay. So catching them when they're doing something right. Yeah, it's, it seems like in life in general, mm -hmm. are so much easier for us to find things that we think are wrong yeah. and complain about them or right. try to correct them. 
Yeah. <laughs> Try to give people feedback on them. Mm -hmm. It's more of a challenge, really, to find how do we encourage the right. But mm -hmm. it, it seems so much, so much more rewarding. Yes. And we can do that by giving the students simple experiments, little exercises that they can do where they can explore the range of possibilities where they can come to appreciate what part of the range, mm -hmm. whether it's one end or the other or somewhere in the middle, how wide the range is, mm -hmm. that gives them the greatest ability to respond, mm -hmm. uh, the most useful uh, response. I see. So whether that be, uh, like say, dis dissociation, understanding dissociation, mm -hmm. understanding how we move our axis, understanding grounding, there are all kinds of little physical experiments we can give that let the students discover for themselves what works best. Yeah. Yeah, so what are some strategies, in your opinion, David, uh, some strategies on how to be a good tango peer, like a good tango community member? That's a great question. And that's uh, one thing that's very important to me. Mm -hmm. It was... Uh, very important. I'm, I'm so grateful that I am part of the Austin Tango community mm -hmm. because there are so many people here that are so friendly and so helpful. It was really nice to be part of that society mm -hmm. in the beginning. What I teach students is about how to respect their own needs mm -hmm. and the needs of those around them both their, their immediate partner mm -hmm. and others at a practica or malanga mm -hmm. or in a class. The way that we go about giving feedback to each other, mm -hmm. the idea that I can best express that by saying what I would like to feel more of or less of mm -hmm. without getting into trying to teach each other. There are... Um, it seems to be very much in the people's discussion these days about not teaching, definitely at the Malanga, yeah. and then not even teaching at the practica unless you're invited to, unless right. you're asked. That can be a big issue, particularly with tangueros. It seems like they, they really want to help ladies come along yeah. with, with the good advice. Yeah. So uh, I, I think that would be part of being a, a peer is to recognize that to contribute when you're asked to contribute, to volunteer when you have something that will help whatever's mm -hmm. going on, and then to sit back and, and, and quietly watch and be a friendly, active participant when you can. Yeah. We, we've got a very active community here. We do the Austin Spring Tango Festival, which right. is, uh, I think this last one was the 14th. Mm -hmm. It is a big community effort because it takes volunteers from all over the, the community. Right. And in fact, in other tango communities around the country, we, we mm -hmm. get people volunteering to help us out. That's great. Yeah, yeah, back in, back in March, right? That's when you, when you had it. That's right. Yeah. Yep, end of March. Excellent. So, David, what was, just out of curiosity, what was your very first dance at a Malanga like? Uh, stressful. I can, <laughs> I, the, the biggest, the thing I most remember about the early days at the Malanga mm -hmm. was how much I sweat. 
Really? Uh, and I thought, well, is this, uh, what are they doing about the heating here? What's going on? <laughs> of course, I learned later that it was just tension-based, oh. that all the, the tension that was in my body, emotionally and mentally, about what should I be doing? Uh, am I boring this partner or entertaining them enough? Am I fitting in well? Why am I not getting a, a um, cabaseo? All of those questions that beset a new tango dancer. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the things that I, I introduce early on in my classes mm -hmm. to actually, the very first lesson, I sort of create a, a Malanga environment mm -hmm. so that uh, I'm teaching what the student will experience at the Malanga. Ah. And then the strategies that they will employ. Okay. Yeah, so instead of just saying, okay, come to the Malanga, you actually set up a kind of like a Malanga simulation, as it were. And yes. In a way. <laughs> that, that's one of my philosophies mm -hmm. is that to try to, if not directly, talk about things that they need mm -hmm. uh, because you can't dump everything you know on a person all at once. Right. To, uh, to foreshadow mm -hmm. things that they will be wanting to know about later mm -hmm. to uh, mention things in passing that aren't big deals that they have to know right now mm -hmm. but to give them a, a basis that they can appreciate things as they come up later mm. okay so david when did you start getting more comfortable at malangas can you describe that journey i was constantly showing up and from my ballroom background which is very different in terms of where you you dance with one person for one dance, mm -hmm. and then you go on to the next person, and you approach them more mm -hmm. directly than the Cabo strategy. Yeah. That was a very different world to get accustomed to. Ah. But I love to dance. I love to move. Whenever there's music on, I want to be moving. Mm -hmm. So I went to lots of malangas, and I danced almost every tanda. So eventually I got inoculated, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there were some lovely tangueras. There are some in our community mm -hmm. that have been in the community for a long, long time. And they do a wonderful job of helping bring along the, the new tangueros. Oh, nice. Uh, helping them make feel comfortable mm -hmm. and introducing them to the things that they need to know. Mm -hmm. Nice. I, can't really say it was a long gradual process mm -hmm. and the plateaus that I mentioned earlier yeah. it seems like I'd get comfortable with one aspect and then there would be another aspect that I'd be working on mm -hmm. and so on of course I'm, I'm still working today on different aspects of my sure. dancing sure yeah so speaking of that David how do you keep challenging yourself by having different aspects that I work on. Mm -hmm. I've done a lot of work on musicality mm -hmm. because I've realized through different workshops and lessons, particularly workshops with uh, Joaquin Aminabar, mm -hmm. uh, for example, his and his book, Tango, Let's Dance to the Music, and many, many other teachers that have done good work in musicality. I realized how important that was, been working on that. I like to find something that I can create a definite arc to, that it'll have a beginning and a middle and an end. 
my biggest, most recent project was I completed all four levels, the bronze, silver, gold, and platinum mm -hmm. of the DeVita certification. Ah, uh, yes. Which is uh, Christy Cote out of San Francisco mm -hmm. developed that. Nice. For the dance vision. Mm-hmm. It's 15 figures at each level. You've got to know the leader's part and the follower's part, mm -hmm. be able to teach them, and be able to teach any aspect of it, whether it's the, your position with your partner, your your position and your alignment, orientation in the room, the musical counts, uh, the beat, uh, and so on and so on. Mm -hmm. So by doing that over a one-year period, uh, with my partner, mm -hmm. that was a huge, huge step for me in terms of feeling comfortable handling any kind of uh, movement mm -hmm. and giving me mm -hmm. access to all kinds of movement so that I felt really comfortable in my vocabulary. Mm. I did a teacher training with uh, Melina uh, Sedo and Detlef Engel in Saarbrücken, Germany. Mm. It involved four 25-hour weekends nice. over uh, 2016, 2017. Mm -hmm. uh, very comprehensive training. So that challenge was part of my development. Mm -hmm. Right now what I'm working on is to bring more uh, dynamic uh, look and feel to my dancing. Mm -hmm. And I, I've identified certain dancers that I like the look of and, and I work with them. And most recently I've been uh, making a, a video of mm -hmm. every dance mm -hmm. during my practice and then reviewing it with my partner immediately afterwards. Mm -hmm. And that's made a, a tremendous uh, difference. Yeah, I see. yeah, so as we mentioned, there's always something new to learn when it when it comes to, to tangos. Even though you've had so much experience, David, uh, what's something new that you've learned recently? Maybe not, not necessarily a new figure, but perhaps uh, a specific concept that maybe you've gone a little bit more in depth with. I have to think, part of my study mm -hmm. is not just tango, mm -hmm. But learning how to learn and how you how you can most effectively teach yourself mm -hmm. uh, how you how you can coach yourself mm -hmm. and I think uh, one of the most powerful things that I learned that has definitely helped my tango helped my teaching helped my students mm -hmm. is um, the Alexander technique okay a neuromuscular system of understanding mm -hmm. that's very uh, popular amongst athletes and musicians and actors mm -hmm. and dancers uh, about how at every moment that we have a choice mm -hmm. that we can continue with what we've always done by habit or by rote mm -hmm. that we can choose some to do something different or do nothing at all mm -hmm. It's a very empowering concept, mm -hmm. and it's a concept that we need, that we can use with every step in the tango mm -hmm. to give us access to all the choices that can flow out of each step. Mm. Yeah, that's great. Learning how to learn. So, David, I've known, I was really fascinated knowing that you have a background as a tech entrepreneur, and 
uh, you've recently opened a tango studio. So uh, have you always been entrepreneurial? Well, I was uh, with the University of Texas for many years. And my last assignment there was managing the medium scale time sharing systems. Okay. And, but then with the, when the microcomputers came out in the early 70s, a group of several of us from the university, we each got a different microcomputer, assembled them, and went off and formed a company to do microcomputer hardware and software research and development. Mm-hmm. And then got into local area networking and then into software development for government agencies. Okay. So, yes, I... I never would have expected it. I <laughs> had a path of wanting to be a doctor when I was young. Okay. But when I took organic chemistry, which I understood was to be important mm-hmm. for a medical uh, direction, I decided no, I should, I want to do something different. Okay. <laughs> has your has your background as a, as an entrepreneur running companies crossed over at all into your into either as you learning tango or running a studio? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I so what one of the things I so much enjoyed about the companies mm-hmm. was bringing new people in and introducing them to the culture that I wanted for mm-hmm. our companies. I never understood the the people that would complain uh, so bitterly about how much trouble it was to recruit people and train them and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, because to me, it was fascinating to meet different people, find out all the different views in, in the world mm. and how you could relate to them. Yeah. And then, as I say, bring them into our culture with our storytelling. Yes. I think that's a big part of what I do with students now, that mm-hmm. I have a, a particular view of both Argentine tango and culture. Mm-hmm which I feel strongly about. Sure. And I recognize, too, that there are many such views, mm-hmm. and we can appreciate all of them. Mm-hmm. I just want to give the students and the people that are interested, not only my students, but the, those who might read my writing, mm-hmm. an appreciation for how they can approach the, the tango in a, a naturalistic way, mm-hmm. and a way that... Um, Oh, that their natural tendencies will help them make the the most of mm-hmm. their tango. Mm. Yeah, I just I just love hearing about the background of a lot of the people who who are on the who, who I've interviewed on the podcast and how previous life experiences how that crosses over into their tango lives and that's just really really interesting to hear about. I'm a older than average uh, student and, and teacher now. And I'm so grateful for that, actually, because I've, I've reached a point where I'm really synthesizing everything that I've, I've learned and read and studied, whatever the field, mm-hmm. in my past, and seeing how much of it all relates. I mean, we may call it tango. I call it, uh, my, do- my, uh, my wife, for example, she mm-hmm. competes dog agility. Oh, nice. So uh, she's a dog trainer, and uh, she works with her dogs to compete. It's like an obstacle course that Mm -hmm. they run through for speed. Mm -hmm. So it's like she's the leader and the dog (laughs) is the follower. There are lessons for relating to people all throughout life, and Mm -hmm. we can take our 
tango and apply it in the world in general, and we can take what we learn in the world in general and apply it to tango. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, David, what are some future projects that you're working on? Well, this studio is growing gangbusters. We're bringing in all kinds of different activities. We've got a, a Bollywood exercise. There's a, a Sanskrit, a Sanskrit language teaching and yoga. Nice. The Spanish teaching and musical beginnings, and then uh, three different nights of Argentine tango classes. All right. So it's to manage the studio. I never care for the Despite my history in business, mm -hmm. I usually always had people to take care of that. Mm -hmm. So I'm setting up systems for that. I'm working on developing my dance, seeing what my next goal might be, okay. and developing the tango community in my area of town. Mm -hmm. Which is in the Oak Hill area, southwest of Austin. Okay. Which I. I had seen was not well not well served. Mm -hmm. I I myself got so tired of uh, dealing with Austin traffic traveling across <laughs> town to all the mm -hmm. the different lessons and milongas and practicas mm -hmm. that I wanted to do something close to me where I could do it on the nights that I wanted to do it and then in the way that I wanted to do it. All right, all right, David. So where do we find out more about you online? Uh, well, on Facebook, mm -hmm. which we're talking over right now, yep. that would be facebook.com slash Tango Tribe. Tango Tribe. And uh, my Facebook uh, handle is david.phillips.austin. Okay. My website is tangotribe.com. Okay. That has all of my information. And then underneath that, there there's a menu item called Walking About. Okay. Which is where my current blog articles are posted. Okay. So Tango Tribe, all one word, dot com. And, yep. and the walking about section will have your will have your blog so we can find out more about you there. And I'll have right. all this information in our show notes so people can easily access it and get to know you. Outstanding. Yeah. All right. Well, David, thank you again for, for taking the time and for uh, sharing all the information that you've gained from Tango and um, sharing your, your philosophies on teaching and, and your thoughts. The nada, Joe. It was my pleasure. I, I enjoyed chatting with you. Yeah, it was great. So I hope to meet you in person sometime, either at a festival or sometime if I ever happen to be in Austin. Absolutely. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Well, stay in touch, David, and uh, best of luck to you. Thank you, Joe. All the best to you as well. All right. Take care. Okay, it was nice getting to know David. There were a lot of things we touched upon, but I really appreciated what David said about learning tango. Most of what he knows is an amalgamation of advice and philosophy that he's picked up from the many teachers he's worked with, and what he came away with was this idea of being mentally active while learning. We don't just show up to a class and passively go through the motions. We have to take the information given to us and customize it to our personal method of understanding. Like David said, we also have to learn to teach ourselves. I also really like David's perspective on giving corrective feedback in that it's important to catch what students are doing right and not focus entirely on correcting mistakes. I mean, we're always going to be able to find things to improve in our dancing, but if we're only seeking negative things, that will inevitably color our perception of reality, and that's not good. 
And I really thought it was helpful how David pointed out the DNA of tango in that the foundation for just about all figures consists of forward and side steps and pivots. Other instructors will point that out as well, but that's pretty much all there is to it, going forward, going back, left, right, and pivots. Now, if we look at all those new figures that we want to learn in that context, tango will be much less overwhelming. So thank you again, David, for sharing your insights and for your time. Okay, that does it for this episode. Thanks again so much for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, please take a second to head over to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or SoundCloud and leave me a five-star rating and review. That'll do a lot to help others find this program. And if you ever want to get in touch with me about suggesting an interviewee or promoting a tango event or anything else, feel free to email me at wisconsintango at gmail.com once again that's wisconsintango all one word at gmail.com thanks again for listening new episodes coming every monday and we'll talk to you next time Mm